Hi, welcome back to the DJ's Aviation Podcast. A big thanks to everyone that continues to tune into the episodes, especially the recent one, which was discussing uh, what I do for work. This one, we're going to, as you can probably see from the title, discuss some aviation, and there's going to be a little bit more with a movie review, uh, a recent day trip up to Cambridge, taking a look at the growth of the second channel DJ's transport, and I guess just discussing life with COVID and how I've been noticing differences. But of course, the focus for the episode will be on United's major new order for aircraft. I'll be taking a look at their current fleet outlook, the potential Boeing NMA that could be in the mix for their future aircraft, and how the pandemic has hurt United Airlines through graphs and informations, which has been provided thanks to, well, the data, should I say, has been provided thanks to Air Insight, which I'll be getting into a little bit later on in this podcast. Um, I just wanted to say, if you are new and listening potentially on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud or Spotify, feel free to drop the podcast a follow if you do enjoy it. I never say this, mainly because I forget, but I mean, if you do enjoy it and you'd like to be, I guess, notified when new podcasts come out, you're more than welcome to drop it a follow. I also just thought I would mention that last week, well, this is going out when, let's see, this this has probably gone out on a Saturday or Sunday, I don't know when you're listening, um, but the prior week to this releasing, I actually put up on the second channel the first ever podcast snippet or extract, if you will, which was basically taking a 10, maybe minute or so portion of a previous podcast where I did discuss aviation and turning it into a video. Now, um, I was originally thinking of uploading that to the main channel, but I thought the second channel would be best as I don't really feel like it fits the main channel type content. It's a lot more opinionated, uh, a lot more relaxed, and you probably can see why it would work more so on DJ's transport. Um, While it mainly centers around trains, it doesn't mean that planes won't be featured on there. As you've probably already seen, I have done a couple of plane spotting videos, so I'm not opposed to using that to discuss some other forms of aviation, if you will, in podcast or audio form. However, that didn't have any B-roll footage, so we'll have to see if maybe in the future, um, especially for maybe getting the extract from this podcast, I may look at putting in some United footage as it might be a little bit easier. We'll just have to wait and see on that front. Um, But yeah, that was just something else I thought to maybe get a few more people listening to the podcast and let them know about it, as I know there are people that can watch every single video and still don't know that there's this weekly podcast. Um, So with that being said, I thought I would potentially start with more general things and then move into later in the episode the main focus on United Airlines and their recent order. Um, Today I actually headed up to Cambridge just for a day or a couple of hours of sightseeing. Um, I did very much enjoy Cambridge. It's very much like uh, the other towns and places that I've been to within the United Kingdom. There's a lot of rich architecture. You have your cathedrals, churches and so forth. Um, There's also a gothic area inside Cambridge and the building and architecture reminded me heavily of Venice. Now, if you've never been to Venice, I would highly recommend, well, I say highly recommend doing so, but it's not like anyone can really necessarily travel. Well, if you can travel, you're very lucky, but for the most part, a lot of us cannot really travel. But I would, in a world without COVID or in a world where we have more freedom, I would highly recommend getting to Venice. It's an absolutely beautiful place. I have family just on the outskirts of Venice. Um, A lot of my heritage is around that area I've had the pleasure of visiting and like I said I'd highly recommend it but parts of Cambridge did indeed remind me of Venice 
Um, I, I know it's the this got the Cambridge University and there are a couple of other universities that are located in there and I just happened to visit on a day where there was a lot of graduations going on so you can probably imagine my luck when the streets were filled of people graduating it was a nightmare but see that's something I have been noticing and not just in Cambridge but also living in London um, it, it has basically been the busiest I've seen it since March of 2020 now uh, we did have a period out of lockdown in July August September October of 2020. Now, this is before the vaccine rollout, but I would still argue it wasn't as busy as now. I think a lot more people have come out, and you can definitely see that on the roads. Rush hours are absolutely terrible now. I mean, if you want to get anywhere, say a Friday night, hell, even midweek at maybe 5, 6 p.m., that you have no chance. And to be honest, we're looking at it still being, it's technically the summer break now, um, and we're still seeing lots of traffic. So I'd hate to see what it's like come November and December, permitting we don't go back into lockdown. Um, it's been weird. It's been weird for me personally to see such a large crowd. I think that's something I'm going to struggle to get used to when I head back to Australia. Australia are notorious for basically keeping COVID out, um, but also notorious for panicking when there's one case. And you, you could have your own say and your own opinions on how they go about it. I've got very, very strong thoughts being someone stuck out of Australia on that matter. Uh, but they, for the most part, have had somewhat normal life, bar having the country open to their citizens and and so forth. So I think it'll be very interesting when I head back, because I believe, potentially, when I head back, the uh, mask regulations for where I'm headed will not be a thing. You know, I've been wearing a mask now since, well, since it was implemented, and it's going to be very weird to have to take that off. And, I mean, it's I never thought I would say that, and it's going to be weird to take off one of those uh, masks to prevent COVID and thing, and then spread. But uh, even just crowds, I mean, I feel uncomfortable now. Not uncomfortable in a sense of it scares me, but I certainly feel uncomfortable in a sense of it feels weird when someone sits next to you on a bus or the tube or something like that. I've gotten so used to the element of social distancing that when that's not there, I'm like, oh. And even, but maybe it's it's probably weakened more so now. I would say, if anything. Last year, it was at its worst. I mean, you had like, and that's not to say that I would then be vocal about it, but obviously in my head, I was like, oh, this feels really, really weird. This person, especially, let's say, April, May 2020, it was like, oh, this person's too close. When I went to go and get my vaccination, um, I was standing, I mean, you still have to socially distance, but I was standing, God forbid, all right, God forbid, 1.95 meters away from someone else. And this lady about 50 years of age literally yelled at me. I was like, step back. Sorry if I've just blown you step back two meters behind me don't come two meters i was like alrighty then uh, and i didn't say anything but i thought to myself you know utterly that's a bit overboard but uh yeah so that happened um what else so yeah i just guess it's one of those things of it's been interesting to see how london's somewhat come back to life i mean if you head into leicester square which if you're unaware is very much where you have your theater district um, and so forth. That's gotten a lot busy. We have theatres now opening up. I believe, well, I believe they're limited at capacity and maybe only some are opening up. The cinemas are open. I did actually go, which is where my movie review will be coming into this podcast. Um, so, I mean, we are getting some, uh, somewhat normality back, but it's obviously not still there completely yet. Yes, yeah, so I did actually go to the movies yet last week. When was it? Thursday, maybe? I'm not gonna lie, I just wanted an excuse to eat movie popcorn because I haven't been since I went to see Tenant in August of 2020. So it's been a long time. Now, for reference, um, I'm someone who a lot of my hobbies 
and interests and things I did have been taken away due to COVID. So as an example, I regularly attended football games. So every three days I was heading off to the football. Now, whether that be um, heading, you know, to a home game, whether that be going with mates like 10 hours up the country, I regularly went to the football. So that got taken away with COVID. But I also, on the off chance that that wasn't happening, I went to see movies as there's usually like a movie releasing every week. But like prior to COVID, I know it might shock you, but we did actually get blockbusters pretty frequently in a life without COVID, although that's massively been put on hold. Um, so I, I went frequently every week and then that was obviously something else with COVID that got taken away. So I was a bit like, well, I have nothing left. Um, also, excuse the, the massive tunes being played outside. As it gets hotter in um, London and the UK, I opened my windows, obviously because the way UK flats are done, and especially here in London, is the walls are so thick, they keep the heat in, meaning you literally will die if you don't have window or air on you. So that makes recording quite difficult when every five seconds there's a siren outside and some guy blasting music, someone honking their horn. Uh, so yeah, I apologise if there's any background noise or you hear something. Unfortunately, there's nothing I can really do about that as I don't control that. But I've done my best. I have closed my windows for this podcast recording. Now, back to what I was saying. Um, what was I even saying? Something along the lines of a lot of things got taken away. Uh, blockbusters. Oh, I have, I have no idea. This is the problem sometimes with me podcasting. I'll, I'll think about something else and then my original thought will go. But anyway, I went to the movies for the first time. And it did feel quite weird. And I would say it was maybe like half percent capacity, maybe like 50%. Um, I went to see Fast and Furious. So I guess, well, I mean, to be honest, I'm not really going to spoil anything. But if you would like to not hear spoilers, not that, well, if you'd like to just skip forward, you're more than welcome to do that. I'll turn it down and skip maybe two minutes ahead. But with that being said, I don't really know how I would spoil it because it was quite a forgettable movie, to be completely honest. I don't really remember what happened. The most enjoyable thing was the popcorn. Uh, but like I said, it was an excuse to go and have popcorn and watch a movie because there's been nothing really that's come out. Black Widow comes out, the Marvel movie, in what, like a week? So I'll definitely be going to see that. But other than that, there hasn't been a whole lot. Like I said, I feel like the, the last major release was Tenant, and that was in August of 2020. And then that was one of the only major releases and everything else basically has been pushed back and we're still waiting for a release. That's why providing everything goes according to plan for movies... The next couple of months are absolutely stacked. Well, especially as we approach later in the year. I think we have what? Still something like three more Marvel movies this year. Don't we have... We have Spider-Man, Shang-Chi, and... Or Black Widow, The Eternals as well, don't we? So, we, there's quite a lot just in Marvel, and I'm a big fan of Marvel as well. And then, obviously, there'll be all the movies next year. And um, I know there's Top Gun that's coming out at some point. You've got James Bond, which still hasn't come out. Uh, there's a lot of movies like blockbusters coming which should be really really exciting providing they're able to release um oh that was one godzilla vs kong came out which i did enjoy but unfortunately i watched that at home and i'm not gonna lie as someone who went to see godzilla uh, king of the monsters which was the previous movie in the series if you will i saw that in cinemas on the big screen opening day it was kind of a kick in the face that I had to watch godzilla vs kong on a monitor with no and uh, and then by the time we came out of uh, lockdown Godzilla vs. Kong, oh, sorry, by the time cinemas reopened, Godzilla vs. Kong was no longer being shown in cinema. Well, it wasn't even being shown in cinemas. Um, so I guess that's one of the downsides in what, to me, makes going to the cinemas so important is for these huge movies, I love making it 
a thing because I go to the cinemas alone. I know a lot of people will be like, "What? That is so sad and ridiculous." And how could you go and see a movie? I, I personally, I don't think I've ever, bar my parents, I've never seen a movie with someone else. Um, I just, I just don't like it. It's really weird, but um, I just enjoy. I enjoy doing a lot of things by myself, but especially when it comes to movies. And I know there's some people that uh, say won't be able to see a movie by themselves. I don't know. It's maybe too. Uh, anxiety inducing sort of thing I, I like it i enjoy sitting there and not having someone talk or or whatever and that's just me i definitely enjoy my alone time when i go to the movies and just sitting in front of a, a screen so i went alone and i thought it was interesting but like as i said as a movie that was what i was trying to do like a somewhat movie review is very very forgettable i've never seen actually any fast and furious movies that that doesn't necessarily mean that therefore oh i have no idea what i'm talking about but from a standpoint of continuity and story it was very it was very action based that's how I, I guess i could say best describe it and for an action point of view it was cool but at the same point in time without getting into spoilers i was kind of like isn't this meant to be a, a car movie like is this fast and furious isn't this meant to be sort of cars and uh, and trust me i genuinely thought i was watching like mission impossible or some gi joe uh i nearly swore but some gi joe type uh stuff and uh it, it, it was yeah that like i said it it feels like not that I was ever expecting it to be a proper car thing, because I think Fast and Furious 9 movies in has definitely had to evolve and go in a different direction, which I do understand, but maybe it's lost its core and heart and it's moved more towards your Mission Impossibles. And if that's the case, I'd rather go and see Mission Impossible, if you know what I mean. Anyway, maybe in the future, if I go and see more movies, I can make a segment of, like, movie reviews or just my, my thoughts on certain movies. But like I said, that was incredibly forget, uh, forgettable, so I don't really remember what actually happened but there was action some cars crashing and and yeah so um hopefully in the future i mean i'm gonna go and see black widow in a week so maybe there'll be another review of that and hopefully that'll be a little bit better but it's marvel so hopefully they don't go wrong speaking of i have been watching loki as well um i haven't watched the new episode which well i say new episode it came out today and for reference i'm recording this on wednesday the 30th of uh I forgot my months there for June at 7.08 British summertime at the moment. Uh, I'm recording it once again live in the Discord server. So if you haven't already, you're more than welcome to join the Discord server. The link will be in the show notes. Alternatively, if you have Discord, you can just use our vanity URL server invite link, which is uh, discord.gg forward slash aviation. Pretty simple. It's just aviation. All in lowercase, no spaces. Um, I've been watching Loki. Um, I feel like it's one of those... Uh, the same problem I've noticed with Loki happened has happened in a number of other shows. I feel like they're usually limited... What, they're limited series? Is Loki only one series? I think it's only one series. What, like six... I don't know how many episodes to be exact. Um, but it's it's similar to The Winter Soldier... Falcon and the Winter Soldier, pardon me, and Black Widow... Uh, not Black Widow. WandaVision. I feel like there's a lot of... Um, I honestly, you could even see that happening with Mandalorian, but it, there's a lot of skirting around the key plot, a lot of side missions, a lot of episodes where I feel like things aren't needed, but do you know what I mean? They're sort of added in. Maybe that's controversial. Maybe people won't agree with me and that's completely down to you. But from my perspective as someone who watches it, I feel like a lot of the episodes, a lot of the moments are not needed. And honestly, I feel like we start storyline, say, in episode one. We get no answer until episode five, and then the series is over. And I'm kind of like left. Well, why did what? What did we do? What did we actually do for four episodes? And another thing I'll mention. Um, 
some of these some of these shows that have recently been coming out as an example the bad batch which is a star wars show that i have been watching they needed to come out all at once so like to binge because as someone who like any human being i'd I'd argue lives a life that is busy and has a lot going on there is no way if you're talking a series that is 16 episodes i'm gonna remember what happened 16 weeks ago on a tv show that's 20 minutes it's very very difficult which is why sometimes i feel like they should be released all at once i know there's some series that are on on netflix as an example like stranger things i think that's good um but a lot of these these disney shows are all released weekly and i'm like i forgot what happened last week and they do the recap but sometimes it's not enough to catch that small things and i mean then you could make the claim of i could just wait you know, until the show's completely out. But if you're on the internet, you know how hard it is to avoid spoilers. Continuing on with what I've been watching, I am almost finished watching on Amazon Prime, uh, Jeremy Clarkson's Farm. Brilliant show. One of my favorite shows of the year so far. I am a diehard uh, Top Gear Grand Tour, Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Hammond, James May fan. They, they were, well, I wouldn't say new Top Gear. I can't stand it. Not that I've given it a chance, but... <laughs> James May, Richard Hammond, and Jeremy Clarkson, which were my childhood and are still everything to me. Like of watching stuff, I I watched them religiously when I was younger. Um, so I absolutely love their stuff from the old Top Gear days. I've watched every single episode countless times. I've seen every single special, God knows how many times. And um, obviously with the Grand Tour, it's not as frequent anymore. So I feel like you're always longing for content. Um, and while Jeremy Clarkson's farm is not all three of them as a trio, I think it really shines light that they can do other things on them by themselves. Um, and Jeremy is just naturally funny. And I mean, of all the people to start your, he's like your own farm. I never would have seen him doing it. So I think it's brilliant to see him learning and someone that has been on TV for a very long time and is notorious for not having patience attempting to, well, for better words, farm, which if you know anything about farming, it's like it's not something that comes quickly. It's quite a long, drawn-out process. It's very funny. If you have Amazon Prime, I would highly recommend giving it a watch. If you know nothing about Jeremy Clarkson or anything like that, um, just you could watch an episode of the of Top Gear or the Grand Tour. And to be honest, or you could just watch the farm uh, the farm series. But that was all released at once. Um, and those episodes are what, 45, 50 minutes? But see, to me, that's a show that could be released weekly because it's not... It's not so story-driven. Obviously, it's going... um, A basic outline of the show is it's going through him learning stages of the farm. It's not something like, oh, this person killed this person in episode one. Remember that for four episodes later. Uh, So it's... I think that's one of those things that can be released weekly, but maybe more so your WandaVisions, your Lokis needed to be released all at once. And, And while maybe that kills the hype and the hype doesn't drag on as long, and obviously Disney may not get as many viewers because at the end of the day it's all about the money i think for actually viewer enjoyment it can make it a bit easier to keep track of it all that being said i'm sure a diehard fan would say otherwise and would remember every single detail um i won't claim to be a diehard fan and know everything about you know these characters but from a viewer that has basically watched everything marvel it's sometimes hard to keep up with it when it's when it's weekly um sticking to shows briefly i'm very excited for the obi-wan show and the upcoming star wars shows most I'm probably most excited for the Obi-Wan. I'm really, really excited for that. Obviously, with Hayden Christensen coming back as... Well, I'm not sure what sort of role he'd be playing. It's like, obviously, it's the thing of Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader, but will we get something to do with Anakin in the past as a flashback? I don't know. But I'm very excited to see, hopefully, them two... Uh, even if it's not on screen, specifically in a scene, I'm just excited to see them two in a show together. 
Um, because while I love the prequels, I think the writing and even the CGI was not great for a lot of it. Um, so I'd love to see them again, and hopefully it's going to be really, really good. We're 20 minutes in now, so let's 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 get past this movie and TV show review, which has stretched way longer than um, it needed to. Uh, if you enjoy it, feel free to let me know and I can do more of them because I do usually watch quite a few things. Uh, and hopefully in the future with more movies, there'll be more discussion-based when it comes to shows and movies. Now, to the feature part of the podcast. Uh, if Well, should I say it now? I don't know. Maybe I'll just make an extract. But this, this part will be uploaded to the second channel, DJ's Transport. Uh, but obviously, it might not include the entire segment. Uh, if you have not been watching the channel or t- checking Twitter or whatever it is, or maybe you're, you've never actually know much about the aviation industry, let's say you've never even seen these, this news before, but United Airlines placed a major order for aircraft over the well, past couple of days. Also, before I begin, I love how the minute I say that, I almost go into like a work voice. Now, people that know me personally will know, and people in my private life that are listening to this, the handful that are, will know I sound very different in real life to videos, and I find it funny, even even in real life to podcasts, to videos, and I feel like I'm more relaxed in podcasts, but I love how I instantly read out the airline name, and I was like, United Air... Anyway, it was just something I observed with myself. Yeah, so United Airlines... There we go, I did it again. United Airlines ordered 270 aircraft uh, in the recent days, including the 737 MAX and also the A321neo. Now, there's 157 37 Maxes made up of 50 of the Max 8s and 100 of the Max 10s. I have the press release up, so hopefully I don't mess this up. Yeah, so United's new aircraft order is 57 37 Max 8s, 157 37 Max 10s, and 70 A321 Neos. Now, that's a huge order, 270 aircraft. That actually means that for United Airlines, this is their biggest order they've ever placed for both Airbus and Boeing aircraft. It is mammoth, actually worth up to something like or above US 30 billion. In saying that, expect United to have got major discounts. Of course, this is, we're looking, pardon me, we're looking at list price value here, but when you're ordering such an amount in bulk, and especially if we take a look at the 737 MAX, one of the most heavily scrutinized aircraft, they're they're not going to be paying full price. Also, as long-standing customers of both, there is there is no way that you know they haven't got some sort of brilliant deal to be ordering in bulk and really giving that boost to the 737 Max program and might I add the Max 10s which have certainly been lacking in an order sense it is the most new if you will variant only completing its first flight last week well I say last week I don't know when you're listening to this anyway it completed it towards the end of June 2021 for anyone listening god knows how far into the future uh, but it has been lacking orders significantly, and I'd argue with that and also probably the 737 MAX 7, it's definitely flown under the radar. So it's great to see a bit more of a boost coming in, uh, not just from like your main carrier, like that of Lion Air and so forth. Uh, in their press release, they go on to say it will come with a new signature interior that includes seatback entertainment in every single seat. This was a major talking point when it comes to the press, media, and just general flyers, especially those that I should argue are interested in the flying on board product more so than the aircraft if that makes sense they're looking at adding larger overhead bins for every passenger's carry on bags and the industry's fastest in-flight available wi-fi possible as well as a bright look feel with led lighting now led lighting is something that is very very common whether it be now planes trains uh 
your son's bedroom, your bedroom, your office. It is everywhere. Um, I have it in my office back in Australia. Um, LED lightings definitely help in setting a mood, and especially if we're talking inside a cabin. If you've flown overnight, you'll see them dim the lights, and in the past, well, I'll argue probably on older aircraft, you'll notice it's just completely dark, and you might have, as an example, uh, the reading light that's above the seat, which personally is something I find incredibly annoying if you have that light shining down on the person next to you as you're trying to sleep, and you're like, oh, God, when the entire cabin's dark. But nowadays, in the more modern aircraft, there is usually LED lighting stretch all across, and they will make it a color to, to represent relaxing as they put you to sleep and so forth. I've experienced it on Qantas. Uh, hell, I even experienced it on TUI when I was coming back from Portugal, and that was on a 737. So yeah, LED lighting is playing a major role in the future of aviation, especially with even trains. I mean, on my transport channel, I've covered it in multiple aspects, and train operators, when it comes to creating sleeper trains, have looked at LED lighting as ways to help people sleep and, and just comfort, for especially trains that are operating during the night, even if it's not a sleeper train. Because you, at the end of the day, you can have your LNER ones within the United Kingdom, and, you know, the lighting still plays a major role in that, in, in letting people sleep and being comfortable on board. Um, what's more, I guess, in this press release, they also go on to discuss more about achieving these goals. They've said that they intend to upgrade 100% of their mainline narrowbody fleet to these standards. Now, that is what I just mentioned before, by 2025. And it's they go on to say an extraordinary retrofit project that, when combined with the number of new aircraft joining the fleet means United will deliver its state-of-the-art in-flight experience to tens of millions of customers at an unprecedented pace. In fact, they further went on to discuss the arrival of the aircraft in the future, and I think they're expecting something like 500-plus narrow-body aircraft in the coming years, which is a huge amount, and I think, uh, don't quote me to being completely correct here, but I think it's something along the lines of 130 plus aircraft are due in in 2023 alone which means roughly every three to four days a brand new aircraft will be arriving which is incredibly exciting for united and means that they're going to have to keep up the pace massively in regarding to staffing and getting these aircraft certified and you're going to want to hope that especially for boeing and airbus there are no issues in the production sense as delays would not be great now moving on to i guess maybe something if people like data a little bit more uh thanks to the brilliant people over at air insight group they've given me access to uh, usually closed off sections into the public when it comes to load forecast operating expenses fleet age and sizes exact operating costs financial metrics uh, fuel cost metrics net income and so forth basically updated consistently uh, and is more of a an area that is available to people within the industry that are reporting on stuff. So I'm very excited to now have access to that, which should honestly help aid videos in the future when it comes to looking more so at operating expenses, fleet age, and so forth. So once again, massive shout out to them for allowing me to get the back-end access to that. That is what I wanted to basically dive into a little bit now, especially taking a look at the United Aircraft, which... Uh, Similar to Delta and even American Airlines has been very expansive to say the least. Uh, and, and yeah, I've, I briefly touched on in a video on my main channel, Fleet Replacement. Um, but this is a great, this is going to be a great, which unfortunately I can't show in a podcast. But if I do it in a video, I'll definitely show it. Uh, the, the data that they have and have provided to me. Uh, we'll begin with regard, well, I guess I wanted to start more so maybe with the impact, the domestic airlines traffic load factor when we're focusing on United. 
I mean, I can definitely delve into American Airlines and Delta, your competitors to United. But uh, it's quite it's it's quite staggering, and this I just thought I'd mention that this data goes back all the way to 1995, so we can really have a look at the overall growth, um, and and the massive drop offs, and then the trends when it comes to, you know, your events like that of 9/11, and and the drop off in passengers carried for when people were scared to travel. But obviously, none is worse than when it comes to the ongoing global pandemic. What's brilliant about this data is it also shows the projections before the pandemic. So how it should be, uh, and I think it's quite staggering to say the least when we're looking at, especially for passengers by year, uh, it's still not even half of what was carried in 1995. So according to the Air Insight Group and specific data from them, we're looking at 87 or basically 88 million um, passengers were carried by United Airlines in 2019. They were forecasted to carry 86 million, so I guess you could argue that's an improvement on what they were originally forecasted to do. However, for 2020, that is when it it becomes quite shocking. Obviously, they had the period before the pandemic, so let's say that is January, February, and for, should we really say March? I'm trying to think for the United States when the pandemic really hit. Was it like halfway through March? Maybe, yeah. I would say like halfway through March. So let's just say they had three months. And um, obviously we had a few different flights operating throughout 2020, but obviously not to the same scale. They only carried 16 million. Now that's down from the projection of 90 million. Uh, So trends were indicating that the number was going to continue going up. The forecast, I guess you could say. But that's just dropped to 16 million carried. And I wish you could see this this uh, graph, if you will, and it's quite staggering. I mean, every single airline within the United States, and I do want to do a podcast um, on the impacts, maybe even a video, hell, even probably a video would be better, but I don't want to go too much into like looking at American Delta, Frontier, Hawaiian, and so forth. I just want to strictly focus on United. And even their load factors, I mean, we're looking at their load factors dropping off some 16 17% over previous years. And, and I will once again say that projections were indicating that that number was going to continue to climb um and if we're looking at i guess you could say drop-offs the only drop-off for united airlines i mean they did definitely struggle from the two around the early 2000s we can attribute 9-11 and and other reasons for that uh, especially when it comes to domestic and so forth Uh, their previous drop was also from 2010 to 2011 they had a drop-off of about 5 million passengers carried but then there was a huge spike come 2012 and basically since 2014 which i mean is quite incredible it's been consistently climbing so every year from 2014 has been a positive growth they've moved from 65 million through to 87 million and back down to 16 million i'll be very interested to see the numbers this year but then they're nowhere near going to be near like your 88 million again so those projections will definitely have to be adjusted and like i said the load factor by year has significantly dropped not as sharply as it comes to passengers by year, um, but obviously that that attributes to cargo and other aspects as well. Uh, I wanted to move briefly now onto their overall fleet. That's taking a look at, especially when it comes to the 757-300, which featured in a recent video on the channel where I discussed how United basically do not have a replacement lined up for this variant. The new order for the 737 MAX 10s and A321 Neos will cover the 757-200s. However, for the 757-300s, they're still left undecided, and that's where the NMA comes into things from Boeing. Now, currently, at the time of recording, uh, according to data and so forth, 
Uh, United Airlines, pardon me, has around 56 of the 757-200s and 21 of the 757-300s. So we're looking at a combined total of almost 80 757s. That means 21 of the 757-300s are still currently, well, they're aging to say the least. But at this point, we still don't have an exact estimation on what is going to uh, see them, what is, pardon me, going to come in for them. When it comes to actually the average age of each model, the 757-200 certainly exceed that of the 757-300s, which I guess you could say definitely plays a role in replacement. It's a lot more urgent to replace the 757-200s and even, say, the 767-300s. We're looking at both for the 767-300 and 757-200, an average age of anywhere... Well, I would Let me just average it out. It's 23 years. So that is the average age. 23 years for an aircraft is quite staggering. It is by no means a good comparison to make, but you know what? I'm going to make it anyway. Take a look at the Airbus A380. While it has been retired for reasons, usually out of airlines control, in some instances, they're not even lasting six, seven years. So it certainly speaks volumes of aircraft from the past to see something like the 767, 757 lasting 23 years within the industry. And, you know, sometimes these aircraft can even then go secondhand or thirdhand or fourthhand to another customer and then last 30 years. It's quite incredible when you think about that. But uh, before we get to the 757-300, we still have to go through something like uh, multiple other aircraft types, like the A320, the 777-200. At the moment, the 757-300's average age is 16.6 years. That is definitely getting on, and I think it makes sense that they're still working at the replacement for this type. They have already ordered the A321XLR, but they've made note that the XLRs are not going to replace the Dash 300s, which means in the future I would expect potentially another order. But that's where, I guess you could say that's where the problem comes. They have the 767s and 757s, but uh, unless you are unaware, Boeing does not have a replacement in the NMA sector. There's no Boeing 797. There's no, there's no equivalent of the A321XLR at the moment when it comes to Boeing, and that is what a lot of people were looking at when it comes to the NMA, which is still not here. It makes sense while it's not here, but obviously it plays a crucial role uh, in the future. Analysts predicted before the global pandemic that the NMA sector, the middle of the market sector, pardon me, would roughly look at maybe something like 4,000 orders. That may be a little bit adjusted now, given how the pandemic has sort of hit all areas of the industry. But 4,000 orders prior to the pandemic was huge. You can take a look at the A321XLR's launch within the aviation industry. That was launched at the 2019 Paris Air Show. And in one week, we saw something like 500 orders. Uh, there was an order almost every day. And we're not just talking small orders. We had major, major airlines ordering the type, um, which is great to see. It's, it, it, but it shows the need for that sort of aircraft. And I already made note of this in an earlier video. But for United, they can't wait forever if they're going to look at assessing the options. And they might very well end up having to go for Airbus if Boeing do not launch anything in that sense. Or they're not, they're not happy with anything uh, Boeing is indeed offering. They already have the 787s. They have the 787-8 and 787-9. They both average an age of 5.6 years and 2.8, respectively. Uh, but it'll be very interesting to see what United do. I think we've, we've covered the Boeing NMA certainly to death, and I don't think there's much more on that until they provide us with an update. But uh, replacing the spotlight of new aircraft is the 777X freighter. That's definitely 
I'd say, taken the spotlight from the Boeing NMA. That's that's very much dried off. And obviously there's the talk, which I don't need to get into in this episode, but you always have that talk of, should Boeing just build a new 737 MAX? Should Boeing do this, that, and, and all that jazz? And, you know, they're all, they're all discussion topics. They're all rumors. Um, just like how we had the Boeing NMA certainly having a lot of speculation and, and nothing really firm came from that. Certainly looked like Boeing was going to be moving forward with it, uh, but obviously with the events of JT610, then a five-month period with nothing, then ET302, then you're looking at a year or so with a massive, massive, massive amount of bad publicity and interest around their brand, and then the pandemic. There's not been a huge amount of time to necessarily look towards the NMA, and to be completely honest, have a look at their Boeing 777X now. That is an absolute shambolic show at the moment with delays and I mean are we ever going to see it certified is it going to be one of those things of on and on with delays we'll have to wait and see but at the moment we're already looking at a four-year delay in entry into service which is is is, is how do I put it uh, Airbus saw delays with their A380 so it's not uncommon for an aircraft to be delayed when it comes to entering into service you can just look at a game games get delayed all the time i mean recently there's a rumor i mean there's a rumor every week about gta but this apparently is more credible i don't know how but gta 6 won't come out until 2025 um obviously a huge lengthy period without it and while it's different for aircraft you you would rather it be safe upon entry into service than not the last thing you want is the 777x to be certified and then five months into it or even three months into its operations with say lufthansa or even, God forbid, Emirates. There's a, there's a problem with the, let's say, the wiring technology or something in the cockpit, the systems and displays, and then the type gets grounded. Three months into service. If that happened for Boeing, that would be absolutely catastrophic. You want this plane to get off, fly, and be a workhorse and have absolutely no issues. Uh, so yeah, that's going to that's gonna finish that segment with regards to United. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed maybe a bit more of a deep dive into the numbers. Once again, thank you very much to Air Insight. It's not sponsored or promoted. It's just they were very, very kind to uh, let me have access to all that, which I appreciate massively. I uh, hope you did enjoy this podcast. I think we may look honestly at wrapping it up now. I think it's been a decent, I think a lot of decent things has happened um, and there's been some good discussion. I'm pretty happy with it. Once again, um, if you've come across from the DJ's Transport channel because you probably listened to the extract just before uh, on the little, I guess you could say, subtopic of United and their order and current outlook, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, if you're a returning listener, once again, I hope you did enjoy it. Hopefully, we'll be back next week. Uh, I would argue that there may be a week where there won't be a podcast, potentially towards the back end of July. That will be as I will most likely be moving out. I say most likely because there's still a chance that my flight could get cancelled and I could be stranded in the UK for many more months. I say high chance because there's probably like a 70% chance of that happening. So I'll have to keep you all updated. (laughs) Uh, If in August I come to you with a podcast from the UK, you'll know that my flight's been cancelled. But if not, then there will be one in quarantine and I will, like I mentioned and promised, there'll be a huge experience, a podcast detailing what it's like to fly long haul into a country that doesn't want you basically to come back home. It'll be very interesting. I'm no by no means looking forward to forking out the thousands of dollars to sit in a hotel and eat airplane food. Um, but look, I have to do it. Absolutely have no choice. Uh, and we'll see how it all goes. I hope you do all indeed take care and be safe. 
for those that are on summer break, I hope you're enjoying it and making the most of it. And especially to those listening in the United States, I know for you, being basically all double vaccinated, your freedom levels have skyrocketed and a lot of people are getting back in the air. So if you have any flights planned or trips planned, because God forbid, you can probably now go back into Europe and so forth, whereas we're still trapped. I hope you enjoy it and make the most of it. It's definitely been a long time without any sort of freedom. So do enjoy it before you head back to school. To those that are listening, and I know a lot of people, I definitely have a more mature audience base when it comes to listening to the podcast. So if you're off work, I do hope you enjoy the period, whether it's spending time with your wife, kids, husband, family, whatever it is, enjoy it. Make the most of hopefully the good weather. Now, if you're listening from Australia, well, enjoy the terrible winter weather. (laughs) Uh, but I do know Australia's gone back into lockdown, so I hope you all, well, most of it has. I hope you all are doing well with that breakout. Until then, you're more than welcome to join up to the Discord server. We have, we've recently held a game night uh, by Captain Rye, one of the admins, who also has a YouTube channel. Um, feel free to go and check his YouTube channel out. Uh, he did a brilliant game night with everyone. About 30 people tuned in, so it was great fun. They all seem to enjoy that. You're more than welcome to join that up. Um, if not, I'm sure I'll see you on one of the videos on Twitter, wherever it may be. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast. Once again, I hope you did enjoy it. I will see you next week and, uh, yeah, take care and bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the DJ's Aviation Podcast. If you haven't already, feel free to follow my socials, being that of YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the DJ's Aviation Branding. If you're interested in seeing my large collection of car, transport, aviation, and natural landscape photography, you can check me out on Flickr. Interested maybe in also joining a Discord community with thousands of members? You can do so with the vanity URL of discord.gg forward slash aviation. We'd certainly love to see you there. Until the next podcast, be safe and take care.